0: Here's your host, life and weight loss coach, Dr. Michelle Tupman. Well, hello, friends. Welcome back. This week, we're talking movement. And I've been talking a lot about this lately because it's what I've really been focused on in my own journey over the past, well, probably past year, but definitely more intensely over the past few months. If you're in my programs or have worked with me in the past, you know that I really feel strongly about the mindset that we have when we approach exercise or movement in our lives. Because I think if we are doing it for the sole purpose of losing weight or we think that we have to do it, it feels like punishment and we often end up not doing it or we end up in all or nothing perfectionist thinking about it, which also just shuts us down. And what I like to get us towards is a place where we move our body because we like it, we enjoy it, it feels good. It may may not feel good in the moment, but when you're done, overall, it feels good. And we're doing it because it's a healthy thing to do and we want that for ourselves. And so until we can actually get our mindset in that place where we can approach movement, from a healthy mindset, then I almost prefer that we don't do it at all until we do some work. And then we can reintroduce movement in a healthier way that doesn't feel so punishing. And that is definitely the place where I'm at now in my own journey. I've more or less healed all of that old diet trauma that I had in regards to how I needed to exercise, how much I needed to exercise. And I'm really focused on doing more. And I've been, you know, particularly focused on getting back into weight training. Weight training was something that I used to love. And then I'd you know, started developing negative attitudes towards it saying that, you know, I had to do it to lose weight if I wasn't doing it. And if I wasn't doing it often enough, and if I wasn't doing it in the right way, then I just wasn't going to do it at all. And I was kind of stuck in that in that hamster wheel for a number of years. And now that I've healed that, and I've started with kettlebells again, and I'm doing some weight training, and I'm doing it in a way that feels really good for me. And so I wanted to talk to somebody on the podcast who has lots of experience in weight training and training athletes and training people who have a healthy relationship with exercise. Because we're all going to get there at some point, right? And we talk so much about the eating piece that the goal is to get us to a place where we can engage in intuitive eating. And I want to get us to this place where we can engage in intuitive exercise as well. And the types of people our guests work with are are right there. So today I have Ashley Gass, in to talk with us. We have an amazing discussion on the role of movement, how important it is to be um, balanced with movement, that it's not just strength training. We also need to include mobility and flexibility and, and other things. And we have such a good conversation around the mindset involved with all of this. So, Ashley is an amazing woman. She has a master's degree in human and clinical nutrition through the University of Bridgeport. She also has a million other nutrition certifications, as well as being a certified strength and conditioning specialist. She currently lives in in Florida, but she did graduate from University of Victoria here in Canada in 2003, where she earned a bachelor's in kinesiology, exercise physiology, and psychology. She's also a graduate of the Canadian National Coaching Institute, having completed extensive sports science modules in the long-term physical preparation of elite athletes. Her resume is literally two feet long and packed full of real world experience, dozens of courses. Um, she's been coaching, training, and studying for 24 years. She's absolutely amazing. And similar to one of her colleagues, known as the knees over toes guy, Ash also had to experience significant injuries and surgeries over many years to really put the missing pieces together. We talk a lot about the importance of movement with uh, chronic pain inside this episode as well. She is co-owner and CEO of Move Gymnastics Inspired Strength Training in Clearwater, Florida. And without any further ado, here is the interview with Ashley. All right, Ashley, welcome to the Mindful Weight Loss Podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. Thank you, Dr. Michelle. appreciate
1: the opportunity to chat.
0: Excellent. And I think we're going to have an amazing conversation here today. But before we dig into all the good stuff, um, Ashley, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Yeah, for sure. So my name is Ashley Gass. I was born and raised in Canada. I've been in the States, uh, Florida specifically, for about 12 years now. And I grew up as an athlete. So the the category of stuff I was good at involved athletics. And I thought, hey, uh, kinesiology and exercise physiology kind of matches that. So I uh, bumped my way uh, through kinesis and psychology, bachelor of science at University of Victoria, BC, Canada. And uh, then from there, went to the National Coaching Institute and really started to do a a ton of real world application stuff with uh, Victoria's first multidisciplinary clinic, which was uh, Synergy Health Management at the time. Mm-hmm. I worked with strength, uh, strength coach Jeremy Shepard, who went to Australia to do his PhD, and I kind of took things over. So I, I was just a, a kind of a product of, of being a good athlete and wanted to take it to the next level professionally, and just over the years, just kept turning what I was good at as an athlete and the, my love of training in the gym and nutrition uh, into um, into a business. And now in Florida, I am um, uh, co-own and uh, fully operate MOVE Gymnastics Inspired Strength Training, which is a facility where we integrate uh, traditional strength and conditioning with calisthenics, stretching, mobility, and uh, really sound uh, nutrition practices.
0: Ah, that's amazing. I have so many questions. Um, but first, I want to tell you, we are the opposite. I grew up, and the athlete was like the the not me in every way. I was the one who tried. I got you know A's and everything except gym um, because I would try you know to find every excuse possible to to get out of it. And I had such an issue with the word athlete that. Um, You know, my listeners have heard me tell this story before, but in my first year of residency um, for emergency medicine in Toronto, I had won a scholarship when I left medical school. So I had $10,000 and the scholarship was made to, um, in, in the memory of a medical student who had died in a car accident and her passion in life was fitness. She was an athlete, she was a hockey player and I thought the best way I could honor her memory was to use this money to um, improve my fitness. And so I hired a personal trainer for a full year with oh. this. money. And, you know, halfway through, I was deadlifting 300 pounds. I was doing all of this amazing stuff. I could whip out 100 burpees like it was nobody's yeah. business. And my trainer kept calling me an athlete And I got so angry, like I couldn't I couldn't identify with that with that word. And he would say, look how you're performing in the gym. You are an athlete. It's like, I'm not. I hate exercise, except I didn't. I loved it. I loved
1: everything. It depends if no one ever defines what athlete meant. And if you didn't have your own working definition of it, maybe in your mind, athlete meant something that you didn't want to be. So if you never had a working frame, if you ever had a framework for what it meant for you, yes. that makes sense. No one defined it for you.
0: Yes. And you know, I think once I decided that athlete was a frame of mind rather than um a set of physical accomplishments, then you know it it was much better. And, and that's been very helpful for me. And then like the second, the second thing I had with is I had um, downloaded some, one of these apps that does audio fitness and they had a learn to run um, program in it. I can't, I can't remember what the app was called, but I was doing this, you know, half walk, half run, you know, thing with this guy yapping in my ear and we had just finished like a five minute Run, stretch, and he's like, "Who the heck are you? You're a runner." And I said out loud, "I'm a runner." And then I started bawling because you know, running was the one thing that I I really hated um, as a kid. So um, it was—it's just—it's—it's interesting how these these labels can carry so much for us. But
1: I was going to say, so how how did you get past the point, or did you get past the point where you felt good about? Thinking you were an athlete, or did you ever did you ever get to the point where you were okay with that word? Or like where did that story end
0: up? Where does that story end? Yeah. So through the rest of that year with the trainer, I was able to take on that identity. And uh it was it was amazing things. I, I remember the very first day and we did shoulder presses or something like this, and I couldn't even do like the five pound you know dumbbells and by the end like just looking at how far I had come and people would stop and watch me like when we would do my my one rep max for my dumbbells and it was literally 300 or my um, deadlifts it was literally 350 pounds people would stop and watch so I'm like five foot two right and I was still like on the heavier side and like this was this was a big deal for me and people would stop and watch. And it's, it's like, as I went through the year, it didn't feel like I was making any progress because, you know, I was always, it always felt hard (laughs) because we were always, you know, know, pushing ourselves. And, you know, the first time I did one pull up, like it took me a long time. It took me six months to do Yes, and and then you know when I did three, it felt just as hard as as doing one. You know, kind kind of did, and so I, I, it wasn't until I looked back at his records of what (laughs) what I was hardly able to do at the beginning compared to what I was able to do at the end. That was really like a, a big, a big light bulb moment for me. Unfortunately, what happened is when I didn't have the trainer anymore, I had no idea what to do with myself in the gym. And I just stopped oh, wow. And okay. so I struggled for years and years with this because I would go back to the gym and I couldn't do anywhere near what I was able to do at the end of my my year with Alex. And so I felt very discouraged about that and then would just stop stop moving. And now here I am pushing 50 and things hurt. And you know, one of the things that I would love to talk about with you is the importance of mobility and flexibility, especially when we get a little bit older. Um, Because I find I have to include so much more of that in my movement routines um, in order um, to do the other stuff. So that's, you know, that's one thing that I've noticed that's changed. And then the other thing is Um, you know, being a woman who's struggled with my weight my whole life, and always hearing from everybody how important weight training and resistance training is, you know, for weight loss and metabolic health, I was always telling myself like, it's either go hard or go home, you know, with the weights. And so for the longest time, I just wouldn't do anything if I felt I couldn't um, lift well, then I just wasn't going to do anything at all. And so, uh, my, the last, you know, couple of years of my life has been more about just finding movement that I will actually do <laughs> and enjoy <laughs> from day day to day. And now I've fallen in love with kettlebells. So, you know, that's, uh, that's what I've been doing lately as well. Don't okay. know what it is about those things, but my God, I love the kettlebells.
1: Interesting. Well, they're easy to maneuver with. Um, <laughs> Potentially, you've just found something that feels that kind of rotates in your hands properly and just feels like it's become a part of your body when you're moving rather than something that feels awkward, perhaps is mm-hmm.
0: yeah that 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 might be it, and it's mm-hmm. like I can sit there and swing those damn things all day long, and it doesn't <laughs> matter how much like it's just it's fun I, I I don't know what it is, um, but I think. A question I'd like to ask is from your perspective of somebody who's been an athlete all your life, what advice do you have for people who are just wanting to start out with fitness?
1: It's a really, really good question. And it does come down to finding the, a combination of fitness fitness things that you, that and, and, oh, gosh, because some people don't like any of it. Zero none of it. So you kind of have to, it's my brain is thinking of really a few people that I've worked with that how they've gone through this journey. And I'll, I think a better way to answer this might be if someone is in a situation where they're unhealthy and they hate all exercise and anything to do with, with like beyond anything beyond going for a walk, which, as we know, is okay, but doesn't, won't, well, well, there's nothing progressively overloaded really about that. There's nothing that'll challenge the the muscle system in a way that will result in long-term strength adaptations, which is what the human body needs. Is get healthy first. So I'm thinking I'm thinking of one particular client on the West Coast, and she's really battled with weight, et cetera, her whole life, but she had to just rein herself in and start a nutrition protocol that got her less inflamed and sleeping better and feeling healthier so that then she could embrace body weight strength training and stretching and not hate it because it didn't hurt as much. Mm -hmm. So she kind of had to fix her health first and alongside getting better at body weight strength training. But she, in order for her not to hate training, because training hurt, Mm -hmm. she had to improve some of her inflammatory markers and her health first. So that question, it does depend because it's like, it's sort of, I I go, well, let's create someone who's healthier and sleeping better first. So they're not just in pain and chronically exhausted. Because if you try to get someone to love exercise or like it when they're, Really fatigued and they're not healthy. They're eating poorly. That's going to be an uphill battle. But if we can get some of the, the basic pillars of health dialed in first, mm-hmm. the probability of exercise actually feeling good and being rewarding because we all know that you can't just be crazy, unhealthy, and sleep deprived and inflamed and start exercise and it's not—it's not going to work. It doesn't work that way. You almost have to be a bit healthier first, and then you know your training will pay off. So create a healthy foundation. Get someone feeling better uh and then um go from there but if you're dealing with someone who's relatively healthy at least from an inflammatory standpoint they're not in chronic pain they sleep well it's then a matter of getting them into a, a some sort of a training program that often will be oriented towards a supportive class environment where they like the people they like the coach mm-hmm. and they they, they feel the benefit right away of what they're doing. They don't feel like they're going to go to this place and get crushed for an hour and a half. Right. So yeah. These yeah. Are like my two answers is, is really, it depends on the person, but if someone's really unhealthy, we exercise definitely might not even be the starting point. Getting healthy might be the starting point. And Fair if that. you're dealing with someone who's healthy, but just is like, Ooh, training, I don't like, I don't know. And I, I really work to find a grouping of, of, of body weight strength training girls and stretches that they like doesn't take a lot of it's a path of least resistance and then they get immediate benefit from right i like it and th- that's
0: actually why i think there is benefit in walking initially because right. what what i have found with Um, women is many people actually like walking, right? I mean, if it's a walking the dog thing, or being out with the kids, or, you know, just having some outside time with nature, people tend to like walking. And I find what walking does for people who are not used to having any movement in their life whatsoever, is a couple of things It carves out space, right? So, you know, they're, they they learn, because I also hear I don't have time, like, I, I just don't have time, right? Yes. And so, you know, it, it shows them that they can carve out um, the space to have a, a fitness routine in their life. And I think once the walking starts, um, you know people feel good um, after they have a walk and when they feel good they're more inclined to eat in a healthier way um, right. taking care of their bodies and those other health things in- improve so I never discourage people um, from walking and if they don't like walking then if it's something else if it's dancing if it's like, Right, hard work, or you know, what whatever it is that they would like to do, it it fulfills that that same thing, right? And I'm thinking of um, I have a client as well who just will not talk about weight training like will not like she's just for so long has just had this big you know wall but she's a mountain biker and a skier and you know does all of these other you know in- important things and you know dealing with some injuries and some pain issues you know she's she's seen a physiotherapist who has re- recommended exercises and she's now gone and built a gym in her basement and okay. has weights and all because she wants to be able to do these other um, activities that she enjoys so much, and so I, I hope if she's listening to this, if she remembers the conversations we've had in the past about about weight training, I think she would she would have a laugh at how at how far she, how far that she's come. But I think like meeting right. people where they're at and addressing some of those yep. so yep. some of the other issues right out front is is probably such a a smart a smart way to go.
1: You do. You really and you're right. You have to meet people where they're at and maybe just a tiny bit above where they're at. Tiny a bit. Less. Yeah. Not like um, <laughs> <laughs> so well, sexy. I mean it's
0: a tiny bit more is how I got to those heavy deadlifts, right? Yeah. Right. right. It was just it was just a tiny bit more. But I've definitely noticed changes in my body since you know the Ten plus years, I had that year um, with the with the personal trainer, and um, I'd love to talk about mobility and what role that plays in all of this. Because you, um, from what I from what I can see you you take you take a broader view towards how how all of this works. So it's not just weight training and isolation. You're doing flexibility and mobility and all of this other stuff along with it. And how important is that flexibility and mobility piece, especially as you get older?
1: Yeah, it's really crucial. I mean, and when I think we all know when prior to the age of ages of probably twenty six through twenty eight, you can really get away with everything in training and not pay for it too much. But the some of the strongest athletes in the world are gymnasts. Their mm-hmm. their relative their strength relative to, the, to their body weight is best probably top of the world besides powerlifters. lifters, uh, and they're very flexible and they're very mobile. So what. What happens in our sort of the Western culture, I would say, is that there's so much focus on the strength training side of it that it, mobility and stretching kind of are an afterthought. People go, mm-hmm. well, all right, I'll I'll stretch for half an hour after the session, and then they run out of time. But they'll do it later, or you <clears throat> know, so it's not it's. It, and I I think that the reason for this is because in in our educational system and even in high school sports and in sports growing up, unless you're a kid that's in gymnastics, you, we only kids, we only, I only got exposed to running and weight training and the sport, not the prep for the sport and not the recovery after the sport. It's like you mm-hmm. do your sport and then you, you go home. And if when, especially in college, there's the weight room, there's, there's your sport and there's the weight room. There's not usually an even good strength coaches, at least in my day and probably yours were very oriented towards strength and conditioning, not Mm -hmm. strength and conditioning and stretching. So for some reason, I think that that those modalities just got left out of the formal planning for athletic success or even success as a, as a, as maybe you'd just call a non-athlete, somewhat an active person, because if we're getting stronger and stronger and stronger, but we're not developing mobility at the same rate eventually joints will suffer from that because the connective tissues around the joints are always getting so tight without respect for the actual you know joint capsules and, and etc that eventually something breaks and it's really not a matter of if it's a matter of um it's a matter of when so the i think the importance can't be uh it it just it, it can't be emphasized enough is that when you're working on getting stronger, whether it's with your own body weight or with barbells, dumbbells, and kettlebells, you've also got to integrate uh, good mobility. Which is the difference between mobility and, and flexibility. For the most part, is mobility is movement under load. So typically, mobility is 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 weighted, and flexibility is like touching your toes, mm. uh, shoulder dislocates, just your traditional stretching. Where mobility, you tend to take it to the next level and you do movements um, uh, weighted. Hmm. Thanks for that.
0: I did. I didn't know the difference between that. Yeah. And do you find that as we get older, the ratio of what we need changes in terms of resistance versus mobility or flexibility? Yeah.
1: Generally speaking, yes. And uh, this would be a, a question I'd like your insight on it, too. I think the reason for that there there might be a couple of, of number one, it depends because if you're working with someone who uh like for example, women are typically more mobile than strong. They're mm-hmm. usually their flexibility is better than their strength. So usually uh women will always have the ability to bend over and touch their toes or like put their arms over their head. That might sound silly, but that's hard for some folks that get really tight. But their ability to do a chin up or a push-up is, is very, very, very lacking. Whereas mm-hmm. you'd have that, uh, but, that's not me. I'm, I'm uh, the opposite. I'm very right. much the opposite. Are yeah. you more? You're more strong than mobile. Yeah. yeah okay. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. That yeah. might be because of of your past. You know, with your with your training, but it, it's a bit dependent on the person. Because if say if I'm if I'm or one of my coaches is dealing with someone who has a long track record of strength training, but they didn't integrate stretching mobility they'll be in need of more mobility and stretching initially Mm -hmm. than strength work. But if we're dealing with someone who's always been flexible and always stretched, say a dancer or um, uh, um, someone who's done a lot of yoga and Pilates, Mm -hmm. regardless of their age, that might not have to be the focal point for a while, but their strength work will. So it does depend on the person, but... If we're going to use one sort of broad stroke with this, I think it would be fair to say that because of most people's lifestyles with sitting and work and driving and everything happening in front and and not a lot of movement through the hips, y- usually mobility and stretching has to be addressed first as a priority as you're as you're building back strength. Okay. Excellent. Typically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a selfish, a selfish question, you know, just for me. <laughs> because oh, it's okay. I, I feel like I, I've hit a strength um, plateau, kind of um, everywhere, and I truly believe that my my book, my mobility is what's um, holding me back at the moment. So um, I was I was curious about that. There's a, there's a difference, I think, also between people who have been active all their lives and are approaching 50 versus yes. people who have not um, and are approaching 50. I think there's definitely a difference in the health of like the joints and the, the supportive connecting tissue um, okay. around there that that I think we probably have to uh, consider as well. So there, yes. there's a possibility I'm still pushing it a little bit too hard given, you know, some years of, of inactivity recently.
1: Yeah, it could be. I was going to ask you, too, if if you just look at the basic structure of your program, where's the the dominance? Is the dominance of time training in uh, strength work? Like, ooh, so in other words, is strength work 70% and mobility is 30? Can you quantify that at all?
0: I, I would say it's like 70% strength, 20%, 25% cardio, 5% mobility. There you go. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah I yeah. I yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. 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 So you're you're back in that situation where you have to almost have a mobility flow routine that wow. you know it's potentially just a one-off style of a routine that you just know okay this is this is all I have to do it's going after the yeah. exact things that I'm struggling with and I just have to do it three days a week. And once I do it, it's, it's done. I'm finished. <laughs> Maybe yeah, yeah. but the, you know,
0: the, the challenge is it's actually hard to find mobility stuff out there that's suitable for somebody who struggles with mobility, right? Like I've I've found, you know, some things that are just so difficult that I can't actually make my body do those things yet. So I need okay. I need something that's a little bit more, more progressive. And it's actually hard um, to find any of that stuff out there. So I recently, I I recently got Lululemon's mirror. It's been life-changing for me because I actually am much more consistent and they have kettlebells um, on there. So, you know, if I can go down and do a class and it's, it's amazing because this thing is live, right. And you have a camera on and they'll give you feedback um, as, as you do it, but there's zero mobility on there. There's, there's flexibility, there's stretching, but there's no, there's no mobility, Right. So it's, it's actually hard to find interesting ability okay. stuff. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've made some notes. So what would be the ideal scenario for you? And this is probably would apply to a lot of, of your audience too. Let's just say that we were to move were to create something. What would it, what, what, what would it look like ideally?
0: Yeah, well, what I would like is something that is suitable for somebody who has poor mobility at baseline, that is a routine that I could do x number of times per per week, whatever is appropriate. And that has some progression built in to it so that, you know, here's where you start, here's you where you know, where you go next. Right. And probably something that focuses on on like the whole body. It's like my my it seems to be like ankles and hips are are my and maybe even my low my my back are are where my problem spots are, but probably like a whole a whole body approach would be cool. And I want to talk cuz I think you sustained surgery to your back. You had surgery at some point.
1: Yep. Right? Can can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. It, it was um so just genetically, uh, L five and S one on the right are fused, okay. and um, that probably created or set the environment for a lot of these issues. Obviously, because you know, one segment's able, one part of the vertebrae is able to move, the other one's not. So, by the time I was twenty, I'm forty three. By the time I was twenty one years old, I was in a lot of pain, and um, i still carrying on as an athlete, doing everything. But you know, that was it was at the point where I needed. To to get MRIs because I I was hurting a lot and in in a way that was just weird and uh, I had advanced degenerative changes going on at the L mostly L4-5 the L5-S1 segment like advanced osteoarthritic changes and I remember the radiologist wrote like in a 21 year old question mark question (laughs) I I didn't know what to do no one else I mean occasionally get the elbow an elbow in my piriformis but you know I no one knew anything and at that time back rehab was as sophisticated as well just avoid lumbar flexion and rotation (laughs) you know thanks great so I just did, I just did my own thing. I mean, pain to me was, it was just a part of my life. So that, that continued and continued and continued. And with uh, just, there were uh, just micro trauma to the, the mostly the uh, L455S1 um, disc, you know, I'd go through periods where my back would, you know, the disc would bulge a little more light herniation. Uh, I'd be, I'd be out, out for three, four days, just trying to roll around Mm -hmm. on a a lacrosse ball or move to be able to move. (laughs) And that happened a number of times between the ages of, you know, like say 28, 29 and 35, 36. And then it just one day, it just, it just, the the disc erupted. I mean, it herniated seven millimeters out and then it fragmented. So it dropped around the S1 nerve root and I lost neurological function of most of my left leg, lost the Achilles reflex. I mean, I didn't have drop foot, I had drop leg. So mm-hmm. uh, the importance of neurosurgery was critical and it was to remove the disc fragments off the S1 nerve root so that there would be hope of having my left leg sensory and motor function back. So yeah, that was uh seven, uh, that was about seven years ago and mm-hmm. I never looked back. I discovered gymnastic strength training um, podcast interview between Rob Wolf, Rob Wolf and Christopher Summer. So Rob Wolf's like the paleo guy. Christopher Summer founded Gymnastic Bodies. He worked with Men's National Gymnastics Team 40 years and um, I took the material on and uh, just uh, really integrated um, s- gymnastic style strength training, mobility work with traditional strength training and it saved my life. And that was, I don't, I don't even, my back's fine, <laughs> yeah. know, this which is, is- rare.
0: It is, well, this is so inspirational and I think worth emphasizing because it is rare. It is, it is rare. I'm an emergency physician and I see, uh, you know, post op people years down the line who say that they feel exactly the way that they did, you know, pre surgery, maybe even worse. And they're also extraordinarily sedentary people because they believe that their pain limits their ability to move. And I think you are demonstrating so impressively here how the opposite is is actually true how you you know you you turned to training to actually heal your body and you know the the fact of the matter is injury or not our our bodies are designed to be moving always right yes. like back back in our caveman days we were moving all day long and we were moving in very Non-prescriptive ways, right. right? Like we didn't have desk jobs. We were constantly, you know, lifting and twisting and reaching and carrying and you know, you know, doing all of this stuff. And of course, we had low back pain when we were cavemen too. It's it's right. it's it's not like this is necessarily a modern phenomenon. And lying your way, like sitting your way um, through pain tends to exacerbate that pain, um, yep. and trying to get people to understand the importance of moving when they have pain um, is really something that we struggle with as physicians, and something that I struggle with as as a coach, um, you know, for for women as well, um, until they start doing it and realizing that <laughs> that change, change comes when you actually move your body. And yep. I think doing it in I mean, you you had knowledge, you had your kinesiology degree. You have a lifetime of of athletics behind you, this community of of people who know what they're doing around you. And so you were very well well supported. And, you know, other people may not necessarily have that same, you know, sort of network to support them through. And I think sometimes the mistake people make is trying to do too much too soon, um, you know, post, post-injury. And so I think it is important that, you know, people who are um, trying to recover from an injury or who have, you know, chronic pain, whether that be back pain or or something else, find somebody like you um, or, you know, s- somebody who is um, trained in bringing your body um, bringing your body through this. But I think the point cannot be emphasized enough how important it is to actually start moving if you have pain.
1: Yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. And it would be interesting because if, 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 coming from your p- position as an ER doc, it's not like you, you see people in pain and then they're they're dismissed and you know you're you're, you're finished your shift it's not like these people are continuing patients of yours but in your private practice you you know would have the the ability to help folks with that but when the, the other thing that a lot of people have going against them is that um I, I in our system for the most part we're usually taught that if it hurts don't do it and it's like wait a minute if If you've got back pain or you've got shoulder pain, you actually, you really, you do need to train. But if you don't know, if you don't know how to train, because it's not your field and you don't, you're dependent on therapists and doctors who aren't well versed in this or haven't experienced getting through multiple injuries with corrective training and with manual physical therapy and getting someone with good hands working on the area to get it moving again, or, you know, if it's tendinopathy, getting the tendons healthy again, or with the back, some of the, the facet joints get, they get stuck and they just need some, they need movement, right? But yeah. if, if you're in a, an environment where it's just medication, anti-inflammatories, muscle relaxants, and just take it easy for a week. How do you get out of that cycle? You're right. I was incredibly fortunate to have this inc- huge network and then just that kind of in, in you know inborn resiliency to go and accept nothing short, except n- no one's answers mm-hmm. of not doing things. But if you don't have that, you, you it's a tough path.
0: Yeah. Right. And it's um, I did a I did a podcast episode of this not so long ago, but a couple months ago, I was um, in line at Starbucks um, getting a tea and there were two women um, ahead of me in line um, having a conversation um, with each other. And both of them were in bigger bodies. And one was complaining about her chronic knee pain. And, you know, the, the friend had asked her, well, what are you doing about it? She's like, well, I know I just need to lose weight and and it it's it's like it's mm-hmm. yes that helps but i thought what about in the meantime <laughs> right? Because right you're you're not yes. going to lose weight tomorrow it's it's not it's not going to happen if you're like 95% of women you know trying to lose weight this is a long long process to get you there so you know what are you doing to help your body in the meantime and it's you know i i i injured my achilles last year um, so You know, sometime and th- those things take a long time to heal. And I was in physiotherapy three times a week for like months, <laughs> really working on it, and you know, doing everything, everything that I could and i was watching someone in my extended family deal with an injury doing exactly the opposite and now we're you know 18 months past all that i am still like i'm back hiking in the mountains there's no concern like i've got mobility back it's all it's all fantastic and he's still and he's he's still suffering right and yeah
1: i have, you know and it's so I, my question to you is like how when we're in a system that Isn't exactly enlightening. People are not enlightened as to how their bodies work and what's really needed, and Mm. how do we get our like? That's because that's most people that are dealing with an injury is they 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 never get over the stage of dealing with it because the system is not encouraging of that per se. How do we well?
0: the system is absolutely not encouraging of that, right? And, and and it's 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 a tremendous challenge because we also our healthcare system has groomed people to believe that medications can fix their problems and that there's quick fixes to pain and and other things. And so people now have this expectation that they don't necessarily have to be an active participant in their right. own recovery. Right. right. So I, I think part I think part of the problem is that we've trained people to have these expectations that are not in line with reality, right? And so now the problem is people come to doctors and to hospitals and to therapists with this set um, of expectations, and we have now sought training to be able to meet those expectations. So now we're in this cycle <laughs> where right. providers aren't giving patients what they need, patients aren't able to advocate because they don't know, right? They. they, don't- they- And so I think I think it's our job um, as coaches um, outside of that system to educate to educate people on these things. Right. And I spend a lot of time educating my colleagues on things like this as well. You know, Mm -hmm. I see a ton of fat shaming happening in the emergency department. I see a ton of, you know, prescribing things for back pain rather than, you know, educating patients on what we actually know works for back pain and medications is not it. <laughs> right. right. And and right. so, right. I, I take that on to um, you know, to try to educate my colleagues as well. But I think um, you know, people like you and I and our colleagues in fields outside um, of the system have have that responsibility to educate um, patients, to educate people and then to also educate doctors and, and therapists and, and and things as well, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it's I, I just wish it were also more of a top-down approach, but it's I don't anticipate that it's going to be. So you're right. In the meantime. No, no it's
0: go. and you know, yeah. and I, I get it. And I'm extraordinarily frustrated as well because I see my own journey in my body and the health challenges that i've faced have really opened my eyes more to what's really broken in our our public and you know private private systems to to some extent reluctance to focus on prevention you know for instance is something that really really drives me crazy and as a canadian i am very proud of our public healthcare system i'm 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 honored to be able to provide care to anybody who needs it. But I also have this huge frustration on the fact that I can't even practice preventative medicine within our healthcare system and get paid for it. If I want to do that, um, I have to go out and do 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 something private. And I'm very tempted to, to do that. But there's it's so it's it's so hard to navigate navigate all of that. But
1: you're going into the private sector, and then all of a sudden, you have to be really good in business and marketing, and ha- have someone run your clinic. And have,
0: it's like, whoa. Yeah, but but the the advantage to that is that you <laughs> actually have patients and clients who want to be an active participant in their own healthcare, right? And I think that's um, that's what the advantage is there and why you're lucky doing what you do because people come to you expecting to be a participant in, in, you know, building their strength or recovering from injuries or whatever, whatever their goals are.
1: They do. Yes. We're lucky in that sense because they're bringing themselves there. They're paying with their own money. It's not insurance based and it's, it's, it's not easy. (laughs) It's the work they're doing isn't easy and we're exposing these men and women yeah. and young adults to stuff that they haven't done in a while.
0: And I wonder about kids, <laughs> right? Cuz I hated gym when I was young, but I was still forced to do it. And I I don't have kids myself, so I can't say this with certainty, but I I suspect that there's less of that now. That you know, there's probably less funding for gym in schools and you know, if kids don't want to do it, I don't know if they're forced like the way the way that I was. And, you know, I certainly hear a lot of my clients talk about inactivity in their kids. So I, I suspect some of these problems are just going to get worse um, yep. as as the newer generations come up. Okay. Um, but do you have do you do you have any advice for parents who are trying to get their kids to grow up with a little bit more activity in their lives?
1: I mean you and I are in the same boat. I don't have kids. I'm just I'm 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 around people that have kids and I have been for a number of years. So if I were to offer my advice from someone who doesn't know what they're doing with kids, I think and I go, well, if I had had kids, what would I what would I do? And I would have just made sure that they were raised from an early age. They were just in an environment of activity and and that would involve having them be active at home. So mm-hmm. Help out with chores, help out in the yard, ha- give them little uh, like yard projects, so that you know they wouldn't have got used to coming home from school or or play or, or anything and just watching TV. So I think it's just a matter of keeping kids active and involved. I think in- involved might be one of the better words, is keeping them involved in the family life from the beginning, and then um, just. Just trying little sports, like putting them in some, some camps to see what, what do they have a natural affinity to, yeah. uh, and just working to find that, uh, but just not allowing those sedentary kid habits to come in where they're just, you know, they're, you've got an iPad just to keep them quiet. I, I think it would be keywords would be involvement and then finding activities that they have kind of at that natural affinity for.
0: Right. I like that. And, you know, you also mentioned just kind of being involved in the family too. So I think, you know, my, my in-laws make a point of getting everybody out, you know, to go explore some of the natural uh, parks around Toronto and and things like this. And like, I think that's such a brilliant thing for families to do um, as well, rather than just always having, you know, kids uh, faces in front of screens. uh, For sure. yeah, Yeah.
1: That's the most obvious one to me is let's just not, let's not start that as a habit.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. Because look at how hard it is to change that <laughs> when you're an adult, right? Right. If if, if you if you grow up with um, activity being part of of what you do day to day, it's so much easier to continue on doing that. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. No, I, I, I agreed. One hundred percent. I have a quick question for you, if, if I may. Well, of course. On the topic of weight loss, whether it's men or women. How do you change their mindset from being concerned just about, quote, weight loss and really understanding what it takes to shift body composition and actually knowing their lean body mass versus their fat mass or their their fat free mass versus their fat mass? How do you teach people that?
0: Um, So I don't. I actually I actually don't um, teach people that and you know this is because I primarily work with I only work with women but I primarily work with women um who have struggled for so long that they are no longer in touch with their bodies they're just not connected with their bodies at all and they tend to eat more and more and more to to buffer that relationship with themselves and I find when when women have spent an extended period of time in that sort of mindset, when we start looking at those sorts of numbers, it, it does one of two things it either like shuts people right down, um, or makes them binge more, um, because of the shame that they feel around all wow. of that. Or like they almost become too obsessed um, with healthy behaviors, which is really just sort of the same kind of man- mindset, but manifested um, in in the opposite way. So, so what I what I try to do is actually unwind all of that um, and get women to not be thinking about body composition or even their weight, and instead start thinking about healthy behaviors that they right. could realistically do. Um, so we focus on the behaviors rather than rather than the numbers and right. the outcomes. Right. And then once we we've healed all of that stuff and, and people can, can look at this with some neutrality around those numbers, then, yep. you know, we can, we can start to have, um, those conversations. But I find once we actually like for, for the average woman who just wants to be healthy, um, and not necessarily, uh, you know, a competitive athlete, or you know, somebody performing um, at at higher levels, we don't even need to get to that conversation. That once they start respecting their body's needs, they're moving and eating in a way that brings them to to a healthier place. So, I, I actually don't talk about that stuff with people at all.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Just establish healthy behavior behaviors, get someone feeling better about themselves again, and then take it from there. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, we do the same with movement. So, you know, with clients who, you know, I've, I've I've had, I've had both spectrums. I've had women who just are so opposed to any sort of activity at all. And then I have other women who are spending four hours a day um, at the gym and are absolutely miserable, but thinking that they have to, to compensate for the way that they're eating or Wow. You know, other, other unhealthy, and so I actually encourage those women to stop exercising altogether, and then we kind of reintroduce it in a way that um, is actually serving their serving their bodies better. So I find, you know, in, women will go literally from hating exercise but doing it four hours a day, loving the way that they move their body, and doing it in a way that is just not so, not 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 so punishing.
1: Wow, four hours a day, like, how does someone train in the gym for four hours a day? That's, that's a lot.
0: Yeah, no, 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 it is. And there are, and maybe four hours is, is an <laughs> for, 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 for many women, but but not there are some who are constantly um, exercising as a way to compensate for um, how they perceive that they're eating. Well, and you probably see a very different type of client in your gym as well than what I would see inside, inside my programs, right? Um, Most of the women I work with would never, would would not yet be ready, come to a place like yours initially, right? The goal is to get them. The goal is Get them there, right? And it's it's um you know I I was purposeful about not asking you about nutrition stuff, um for this interview, you know for that reason at all as well because there's very much a difference between um, somebody who's coming to you wanting to improve their strength or their fitness, or their health, and nutrition being a part of that, versus somebody who has not necessarily an eating disorder, but disordered relationship with food, you know, to give them another set of rules to follow just tends to make their struggles um, a little bit worse. So my goal is to get them to a place where their relationship with food would allow them to, you know, see you and make the changes that they need to, um, to their nutrition to um, support, Um, the goals that they have for their fitness. Right? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, it's fantastic. And I thoroughly enjoyed having this conversation uh, with you, Ashley, because I think I've got listeners across across the board, like across the spectrum of, of where they are with this. And, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about where we are at the beginning, and not enough time talking about where we're trying to get. And I think this conversation, you know, was really helpful in, in emphasizing for women a couple of things, you know, one that movement is important, no matter where you are um, on that spectrum, including if you have, you know, chronic pain, right? Also that importance of, you know, we often talk about a balanced plate, you know, in in nutrition, and, and I think like the balanced plate in terms of fitness is also having this combination of the strength and the mobility uh, and the flexibility as well. Um, So I think, I think there were lots of Lots of little nuggets of truth scattered in this talk today, for sure. So thank you for that.
1: Yeah, you bet. I really like the part about if you're in pain, you've got to, you've got to be, you've got to move through it. And one of the things that we really teach at Move is if you're in pain, a we definitely have to know about it going in, uh, but find what you can do and do it really well. So if you've if you've hurt your elbow, can you still do certain? Can you still do lower body work? Can you still do core work? Can you still walk? Can you still potentially do straight arm strength or something that that doesn't involve actively pulling? Uh, So find what you can do and do it really well while you're getting that injury worked on.
0: Right, I love that. All right, Ashley. And I also love the name of your gym, Move. Like, that's perfect. I love it. Uh, Yes. So if people want to learn more about you and your gym and the programs that you offer in florida and also online where can they find you
1: great questions so thank you uh, move gst.com is our website move gst gymnastic strength training so move gst.com and then instagram is uh, my full name ashley r gas and uh also move uh, training uh, move underscore training underscore Calisthetics. but if you find us online move it will guide you towards uh the social media accounts as well and we're on facebook and we're we're, we're pretty easy to find and, uh, you know, we love working with folks. We have really nice signature eight week coaching programs where we start, we've had all sorts of beginners come through these programs that have different mobility and strength needs, or just want to get started, but they're not in Florida. Um, so you can ask us any questions, book, you book a call, anything you need, just get in touch with us uh, on, uh, on our, on movegse.com.
0: That sounds amazing, Ashley. Thank you. And any last words of wisdom before we sign off today?
1: Just take it one day at a time, have a coach in your corner that you know, like, and trust and do what you can do, even if it's just a little bit at a time and do it really, really well. And just continue to move yourself forward. And I think the other part that's really important is that know you're not alone. And, uh, there are so many people dealing with daily just daily stuff of life including pain and being upset about things and stress Mm -hmm. so just know that uh we all have our own battles and um i think the best thing to do is to be able to articulate it and just uh be solution oriented find a, a coach that can help you through this stuff um and just really keep keep going there's hope there's always hope
0: keep going yeah. I just want so to nice. say,
1: I brought my kettlebells
0: to Canmore. Good job. <laughs> You're away from home for the week and my kettlebells came with me. Well done. You are dedicated. Right? I said, I love them. I don't know what it is about them, but I sure love them. All right.
1: Hey, it's working. So run with it.
0: I'm And I'm going to do just that. Thanks so yeah. much for joining us today, Ashley. Michelle. All right, Ashley, thank you so much for that amazing discussion. I have a feeling that we're going to be working together a little bit more in the future. After Ashley and I went offline, we had such an amazing conversation on on how we can help each other out. And, and I'm looking forward to talking more with Ashley about that. In the meantime, she does have a lovely guide for you called the 10 and 10 poster to to incorporate some mobility into your movement routines. I'll leave the link for you down in the show notes below, but it's at movegst.com forward slash 10 and 10 poster. And you can also find Ashley, as she mentioned over at her website, movegst.com. And all of that will be down in the show notes for you. Thanks so much. See you next week.